0: Well, good morning, and uh, we are finally coming back to our series, just because of the weather. But we've been studying, uh, we're in a series called Discovering Your Shape, and uh, we've missed a few weeks, so this morning is going to be a whole bunch of information kind of combined from a couple weeks into one. And uh, we've been studying what, what does the Bible teach about how God has uniquely made you, and we've used the phrase to shape you. Uh, for God's glory, others good in your joy. To serve in ministry. Uh, to, to live out uh, God's purposes, his kingdom in our church, in our community, in our world. And uh, that's where we've been, been heading. And SHAPE is an acronym. It's an acronym. Uh, the S is spiritual gifts. All these things uniquely reflect who you are and how God has made you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're truly a Christian, you have spiritual gifts. I think plural. Also, though, beyond just that, there's other ways that God has shaped you and created you that he's done on purpose and that are there for you to be able to serve more effectively in the kingdom and and build into other people and give God glory in your life. Uh, That's one is your heart. We'll talk about that next week. Your passions, the things that just turn your crank and fire you up, what are they? They're different than they are for me, but I believe that many of those things God has planted in your soul and as a means so that you would maybe serve in light of those passions and, and bring his grace and his goodness to the world that's desperately in need of it. After that, the A is abilities. What are you naturally just good at? What are some of your talents? Some of you can can jump and dunk a basketball on a 10-foot hoop. Some of you, like me, can do it on a Nerf hoop. Like, what are your natural abilities? What are you, what are you good at? What is What is God Enabled you to do naturally. What are your gifts and abilities? And then P is personality. We'll spend a week talking about the unique way God has shaped your personality. And we'll look at some of the unique personalities of people in Scripture. And then finally, your experiences. Both good and bad. God's allowed you to go through certain things. Sometimes really hard and sometimes even bad things because of your own choices. But he would take those things, Romans tells us, and use them in the end for good. If you would let him. Those who are called according to his purpose. And so we're going to look at all those things. But this morning is is kind of the big one, spiritual gifts. And it's the big one because it gets a lot more emphasis a lot of times. But really, it's only going to get about one week now because of the weather in our series. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're we're going to go through. I'm going to show you the major passages of scripture, let you know where those are, where spiritual gifts are talked about. And then we're just gonna plow through what I believe are the primary spiritual gifts that are spoken of in Scripture. And when you leave today, here's the goal. It's a little bit different than a normal Sunday morning. So the goal today when you leave is that you, you notice you got a handout. It's like a lecture today. You didn't get an insert like just to take notes, right? You got a you got a full-on handout. Is that you would be equipped knowing what the different gifts are. And that you would uh, be equipped to leave then, and we're going to provide an assessment for you online, or we have physical copies, but notice you don't have that with you now, so that you have to pay attention first before you start doing it. <laughs> that, you would help, that might help you figure out what some of your spiritual gifts are. So with that, it's a whole bunch today, so you can pray for me, and uh, let's actually do that together now, shall we? Father, thank you for Jesus. Uh, thank you for uh, his life and, and truly, Father, when we talk about uh, living a life and, and living out a spirit-filled life, one where we're using our spiritual gifts empowered by the Holy Spirit and the way we live, um, if we really want to look at how that's done, we simply look at Jesus. No one else lived the spirit-filled, spirit-empowered life to a greater degree than he did. He lived it perfectly. He was without sin. The Spirit worked uh, powerfully through Jesus' humanity. And... Uh, So help us keep our eyes on him and and remember that as we study these things, it's not about the gifts, it's about the giver. It's, it's, Father, it's about you, it's about Jesus, it's about your spirit, it's about your kingdom. And uh, you give us these gifts because you're a good dad who loves us. And uh, you want to see us live out your kingdom and your priorities on this earth. They're tools given to us to live. Um, Holy Spirit, I pray that as I I teach about these things that you would... um, use me and speak to me and through me and that uh, we would leave encouraged. And that as we discover the ways that you've gifted us, that uh, it would would be a source of of encouragement and joy and uh, power in our ministry uh, as you enable those things. And uh, so so I pray for great encouragement today. I pray for those also who maybe uh, haven't become a Christian and yet Don 't yet have spiritual gifts that maybe today they would decide to trust Jesus and turn from their sin and become a Christian and uh, receive gifts from you as well. Father, we love you. we look forward to a good day, and I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Bryce, would you be able to turn these chancel lights back on? I could see my notes a little better today. that'd be helpful I think there's some markings on those sliders up there on the wall. Are they on? Really? They're all burnt out then. Or else something. I don't know. Okay. Maybe I'm just going blind. That's possible too. So spiritual gifts. We've talked about this. What are they? So we're going to start just with a definition. Now normally if you're a guest with us this morning, this is, like I said, this is not a typical morning. This isn't even a typical series. Normally we take a book of the Bible and we just plow our way through it. Uh, But this time we're looking at different pieces of scripture and looking at a truth of God's word as it relates to our Christian life and how we would live. And uh, specifically then this morning, spiritual gifts. We've defined them this way. And uh, not all of this is going to be on the screen because you have basically, there we go. Thank you. You basically have a, a small textbook in front of you, right? So here's, here's the definition of spiritual gifts. They're a set of God-given and spirit-empowered spiritual abilities given to every believer according to God's grace to help them fulfill their God-given personal purpose as part of the body. Now, I'm not going to unpack all of that. But one thing I want you to do, if you have a Bible in front of you, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to read from there. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul gives kind of an outline or really some guidelines for how to use spiritual gifts and what they are and why God's given them. We'll start just in verse 1 of chapter 12. Paul says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. Why are we teaching on this? Well, Paul seemed to be really concerned that the churches that were under his care knew about spiritual gifts, that they weren't ignorant of those things. And and, and that's my heart too. Because when we get to, you look at what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4 or uh, in Romans chapter 12. When he speaks of spiritual gifts, he, especially in Ephesians, he talks about spiritual gifts being a source of great unity for the church. As people are serving and understanding how they're different and, and how they could, could serve in unity together, building God's kingdom. So we don't want you to be uninformed. We want you to understand these things. He says in verse 2, You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. This gives me a a huge clue, right? And should give all of us a huge clue that when we're talking about spiritual gifts, they always honor Jesus Christ. And, And if they don't honor Jesus Christ... It's not a spiritual gift. It's simply not. And if, it, if, if even worse, it curses Jesus Christ or speaks falsely about the gospel. It might be a spiritual gift, but not the spirit that you want. It might be something demonic, speaking evil of the gospel. When you get to verse 4, he says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There's different gifts. He also says in verse 5, there's varieties of service, but the same Lord. In, in other words, there's all kinds of different ways to serve. And you're going to see that as we get into spiritual gifts and into your abilities and into the ways God might have you serve in the church and in the community. But all of it, ultimately, it's, it's serving Jesus Christ, right? Paul says later, whatever you do, do it with as, as unto the Lord, as if you're serving Jesus himself. It's one Lord Jesus whom we serve, and Verse 6, and there are a variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. There's different activities, but they're all empowered by God the Father. You can see the Trinity here. You see more, again, unity. It's reflective of God's unity, a triunity. And so spiritual gifts in the church are to to be a source of great unity for us. Verse 7, he says, each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. See, here's here's the thing. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a spiritual gift, probably spiritual gifts, and they're given to you, but they're not for you. Who are they for? Look around. They're for everybody else. My gifts are given to me, but they're for you. Your gifts are given to you, but they're for the church. They're for the common good. Now, I believe when we live out our gifting and we do those things, there's great joy in that. And God gives us joy as we we use those gifts. But ultimately, it's about God's glory and others' good. Verse 7, he says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. A couple guidelines as we go forward then. In in using a spiritual gift, it's not to draw attention to you. And when you see someone using a spiritual gift and they're using it in in a way that draws attention to them, They're abusing that gift. If if all I did when I got up and used my gift of teaching to teach God's word and and to preach God's word, if all I ever did was was just tell stories about me and my life, and I I never opened God's word and I never gave any kind of practical application, and all it was was about, oh, look how cool Josh is. If anything, I try to go overboard and say, look how messed up Josh is. He needs this... Thing that he's teaching just as much as you. If then I'm abusing that gift, right? Uh, same with with any spiritual gift. If it, if it draws attention to the person who has the gift and not to Jesus Christ and isn't to the benefit of the church, it's being ab- abused. And I would contend then, and Paul says so here as well. You get to verse eleven. He says all of these are empowered. By one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Later, Peter says that basically everyone who's a Christian has a gift. You're like, I'm not gifted. Yeah, if you know Jesus Christ, congratulations, you are gifted. You have a gift. Again, I think you have gifts. And and you're gifted to serve. And, And the reality is that you are You are uniquely gifted. See, the the Spirit, he says, apportions to each one individually as he wills. This means a couple things. This means I can't just pick out and go, oh, that gift looks pretty cool. I think I'll take that one. And I I, I like this one on the shelf, so I'll take a little bit of that. And I I really like this one, so I'm going to take some of that too. And and that's who I'm going to be. No, 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 no. God gives the gifts, and he gives them as he wills, the Spirit does, right? Right? And I believe when it talks about him apportioning them, giving them, I think just by empirical evidence, it's, it's pretty clear that to some he gives greater degrees of different gifts. Some people maybe have the gift of teaching, but they have it in a unique way where they're, I said this before, maybe they're really gifted at teaching children. Maybe they have the gift of teaching just in incredible measure and their ability to teach. And they, they can teach before thousands of people with incredible power, the Holy Spirit working through them. But others can teach, and they're really good at just teaching, you know, a, a small group. And you put them up in front of thousands, watch out. They're going to cower and shy away, and you're not going to see any sign of a gift, right? I, I believe we have different gifts. We have them in unique ways. So, with that in mind, let's dive into what some of the gifts are that are talked about in Scripture. Now, there's, there's three, potentially four, primary passages on spiritual gifts. They're easy to remember. Two twelves and two fours. You have 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. You have Ephesians 4 and potentially 1 Peter 4. That's where you're going to find them. Two twelves, two fours. So, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4... And 1 Peter 4. And we're not going to go through all those passages, but you'll see references for them under the gifts where these are drawn from out of Scripture. Now, when we go through these gifts, you need to understand a couple things. They're listed not in order of importance or even in order of where they find where we find them in Scripture. They're, they're listed in alphabetical order. I just thought that would be an easy way to list them so that nobody can say, See, you're really emphasizing this gift or you're really... De-emphasizing this gift. No, they're just in alphabetical order. The other thing, though, is that I believe there are some gifts. Uh, there's, there's views on what are called the sign gifts in Scripture, right? Uh, the gifts of, you'll see these at the end of your list. We're going to cover those a little bit at the end, but not go too deep into those this morning. This is like the gift of tongues, the gift of interpretation, gift of miracles, gift of healing. Um, There's kind of two major camps with these. And you might fall into one of these too. Uh, One side would be the camp of what's called cessationism. Not cessational, but a cessationist. And that means that these gifts have ceased. They they no longer function. Uh, They ended their usefulness and their use at the end of the apostolic age. After the last apostle, after John passed away, those gifts were just kind of... They were useful to to authenticate the gospel in the New Testament, but there's really no use for them today. The the problem with that view, the understanding of that view, I mean, comes from scripture, but my problem with that view of saying they've totally ceased is that the Bible doesn't say they've totally ceased. It doesn't, the the text doesn't, if that's going to be, where is it written, right? That's our authority. I, I don't see in the text anywhere where it says, oh, by the way, Paul doesn't say, you know, after John dies, all of these gifts don't count anymore. Now, the other side of the spectrum is uh, a theology known as um, being charismatic, right? Sometimes it's called Pentecostalism because it's referred back to the, the Pentecostal movement and, and, or, or Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And they would view the sign gifts as fully normative, fully functional. Some would even say that uh, wrongly uh, because the Bible doesn't teach this. But that in order to really be a Christian, you have to demonstrate a certain sign gift like speaking in tongues or whatever that might be. Uh, but I think they, they draw that conclusion because nowhere in the Bible does it say that these gifts Stopped. I kind of hedge the middle. And and I would say that these sign gifts, I, I, I have a hard time saying that they've ceased. I have a hard time looking at the way that we see them used sometimes in certain churches today. And I look at the way they're used and I go, that doesn't line up with any way that they were used in Scripture. They're not speaking in tongues, they're speaking gibberish. Tongues was a known language to people. In that day. You know, all these different things. And so I would say that these gifts, and you hear stories, though, from places like India or other places where there's incredible darkness in the world, where some of these gifts are active. And so while I would say, I don't think they've ceased, I would say they're not normative. They're not the norm. God, I think, gives those gifts potentially still, but he gives them in some ways situationally, I think, would be fair to say, and in places where they're needed, I don't think it's something that we should focus our efforts on. And in fact, Paul says, uh, you, you know, it's okay to desire gifts, but, but really you should have your focus instead on not gifts, but the fruit of the Spirit, on love. And love is the greater way. So all that to say, that was kind of a really rambling thing I wasn't planning on saying, but those non-normative, what I would call them, sign gifts are at the end of your list. So we're not going to emphasize a lot of those, and those aren't on the assessment that you get, simply because a lot of times those gifts, I believe they're not normative, and and they cause a great distraction and can cause a source of disunity in the church when Paul says the reason we're given gifts is for unity, right? So with that in mind, we're going to start with A. Sound good? Everybody with me? All right. Somebody is over there. A, administration. And if I got them out of alphabetical order, then I'm sorry. I know there are some typos here, so forgive me on that. But hopefully at least I got my alphabet right. We'll find out. Administration. Uh, This gift is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we read through the first 11 verses, but the second half of chapter 12, Paul actually lays out a handful of gifts, and one of those is the gift of administration in verse 28. He says he's appointed to the church uh, apostles, prophets, teachers, and he talks about administrating, and that being a gift that people have in the church. So here's, here's what that is. Maybe you have this gift. The gift of administration is the special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to understand clearly the immediate and long-range goals of a particular unit of the body of Christ and to devise and execute effective plans. Sounds like an administrator wrote this, doesn't it? It's really long and wordy and specific. Including organizing resources and people for the accomplishing of those goals. Administration is a gift, and some of you have it. I think my wife would be one who has this gift, likely. She's incredibly good at organizing things and seeing the big picture of things and and how to make something work and happen. Um, Individuals with this gift, uh, they're effective organizers of people and projects. They're really good at organizing people, and not just organizing them to do whatever, but to accomplish ministry, Right? Uh, People with this gift, they're known for having a specific plan, and they've got specific goals, and this is what we're going for. I I believe to some degree I have this gift, but at a high level. I can do the planning, and I can look at things strategically, and I can see how to fit all the pieces together. Pastor Dan and I were talking about this last week, or a couple weeks ago, and... Pastor Dan, on the other hand, is is really good at the first part of this, where he's he's a great organizer of people and projects, and he's able to get everybody in the right spot, in the right place. I'm able to stand, you know, draw it out on paper. Here are the places. Here's what they ought to do. But when it comes to, like, actually putting people in those places, I really struggle with that. Dan's kind of the flip of that. So maybe you have this gift in differing degrees. That's what I mean, how. I really believe empirically we look at these gifts and there's different levels or different ways in which we're gifted with some of these things. They naturally delegate tasks. They make it possible to accomplish more for God's kingdom. They seek decision-making opportunities. They like to make decisions. They understand what needs to be done for dreams, not just to be a dream, but to be a reality. They know how to put feet to the vision. Those are administrators, administrative gift. There's some passages at the end of each of these where you can look up more about those gifts in Scripture. Uh, but we've got to keep moving or we'll be here till 3 o'clock. Sound good? Letter B. Apostleship. Now we get to apostleship. Here's one. You need to understand when I'm talking about apostleship here, we're talking about it with a lowercase a. Right? Not a capital A. It's capitalized on the screen, but lowercase a, small a. Here's what I mean by that. Capital A Apostles, these, these are the men in Scripture who uh, were the leaders of the church in Jesus' immediate absence, right? Uh, these are the 12, 12 apostles. This is uh, the Apostle Paul. They had powerful and unique authority to lead Jesus' church, and their words and writings carried with them the very authority of Jesus himself. Uh, you know, one of the ways that we that was determined in the early church what part of the New Testament was Scripture and what wasn't, whether or not it was written by one of the apostles, whether or not it had apostolic authority. And the New Testament laid out some specific criteria for somebody to be considered an apostle in that way in the Bible, three specifically at least. Number one, an apostle had to be a physical eyewitness of the resurrected Christ. They had to have seen Jesus physically with their eyes. You're like, well, how did Paul? Well, remember Paul was... Paul saw him, he was knocked off his horse by him on his way to Damascus. Paul saw him, Paul would have seen him likely before that as well. Number two, an apostle had to be personally appointed by the Lord Jesus Christ, according to Scripture. And three, to be an apostle, you had to be able to authenticate his apostolic appointment with miracles and signs. So you had to have seen Jesus, Jesus had to appoint of you, and then you had to do miracles that authenticated the fact that you had seen Jesus and that he had appointed you. Now, those first two, there's no one living today that can say, I qualify. Right? There just aren't. Especially the first one, no one's seen him physically. We will again one day, but we haven't. So, so when we're talking about apostleship, we're not talking about apostle capital A. We're talking about lowercase a. And I, I would say that these... Those with the gifts of apostleship, they often will find themselves, they're kind of the entrepreneurs. They find themselves planting churches or leaving as missionaries. Um, people with this gift, here's, here's the definition then, I guess. Let me go back to that. The definition of apostleship, sometimes in some works you might refer this referred to as the gift of missionary, of being a missionary. It's the special ability God gives to certain members to serve and strengthen it by launching and leading new ministry ventures that advance God's purposes and expand his kingdom. The original Greek, of the, Greek meaning of the word is sent one. Literally someone sent with, an, with authority or as an ambassador. You might have this gift if you're someone you love new things. You're like, I hate change. That's not me. Maybe you're really good at, at initiating new ministry. You're good at starting new things. Maybe you have the gift of apostleship. That could be you. That could be you. You often welcome risky new challenges, enjoy making a difference in the lives of believers and unbelievers alike. You're willing to be known as ambassadors in the world. You willingly work hard to see churches reach their full potential for God. Number, letter C, discernment, the next gift on the list. The gift of discernment is the special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to recognize truth or error within a message, person, or event. People with the gift of discernment, they, they find it really easy to read others. And they, God has gifted them in a way that they can distinguish truth from error very quickly. They, they just can cut right through what's being said and go, that's not true. That's motivated by selfish ambition. Or worse, that's motivated by uh, by demonic authority or by Satan himself. Or they can look at it and go, yes, that's that's true. That's biblical truth. And they can... God's given them ability to discern even motives of people at times, I believe. They find it easy to read others, and most often they're right. They recognize the spiritual source of a message, whether it's from God, Satan, or man. They recognize inconsistencies in others. They easily identify people's true motives and agendas. They perceive when the truth is twisted or communicated with error. Now, if you have the gift of discernment and you're not growing in grace and in humility, guess what you may also have? A really critical spirit if you're not careful. Right? So if you've got this gift, grow in God's grace, be humble. D, encouragement. Sometimes this is called exhortation or even sometimes counseling in some uh, gift assessments as you read them. The gift of encouragement, you find this in Romans chapter 12, verse 8, is sometimes called exhortation or counseling. It's the special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to help others live God centered lives by ministering to them words of comfort. Consolation, encouragement, counsel, in such a way that they're helped or healed. Uh, people with the gift of encouragement, uh, they love to find people who are down or discouraged and encourage them, right? If you have the gift of encouragement, chances are when somebody's down or somebody's uh, going through suffering or whatever, a lot of times you're one of the people they seek out. Why? Because for whatever reason, the, the Spirit works in you in such a way to lift them up, to build them up, to encourage them, to comfort them. Sometimes, though, they get a surprise because your exhortation is actually to challenge them to grow, to be more like Christ, and, and maybe to turn from their sin. And that encouragement is all toward Christ-like living. Uh, Romans twelve eight you can read about that. Letter E, evangelism. You can find this in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, the gift of evangelism is a special ability that God gives to certain members of the body to share the gospel with non-believers in such a way that they repent and become followers of Jesus. Now let me stop here for a second because we go through these gifts and I realize, well, encouragement, I'm supposed to encourage people. Some, see, there's, there's a gift of encouragement. But there's also just the role of being a Christian and you're to be an encourager of other believers. There's the gift of discernment where uh, you, you have a special ability, a spirit-given ability to discern in a supernatural way, I believe, with the Spirit's help between truth and error. But at the same time, Paul tells us that all of us are to discern the spirits and to evaluate things, whether it's true or not according to God's Word. So just because you don't have some of these gifts doesn't mean that you're exempt from having to do those things. I mean, no one would say, I don't have the gift of encouragement, so I don't want to encourage people. Well, no, you need to encourage people. No one would say, I don't have the gift of discernment, so it doesn't matter to me if they're teaching truth or or falsehood. No, it does, because Paul said you're to discern. You may not have the gift, but you still have to do those things. No one would argue that, right? And yet we get to this gift, and people go, I don't have the gift of evangelism, so count me out. Somehow we give ourselves a pass on this gift. And we say, I don't have the gift of evangelism, so I don't don't have to share my faith. No, you do. But the reality is, some are gifted in a unique way to share their faith in an incredibly natural way that sees remarkable fruit. Billy Graham would be a great example of this, right? Really obvious one. I I think uh, Tom Spiker would probably be an example of this. I'd be. I'd be shocked if he didn't have the gift of evangelism and the ways that that he's able to encourage and share the gospel with people. Um, But maybe you have that gift to where you really look for intentional ways to build relational bridges with nonbelievers. You sense when a person is open to hear the gospel. You've seen many people come to faith in Christ. Uh, You win people through the use of love, not logic. You're really deeply burdened for people who don't know Jesus. Maybe you have, to some degree, the gift of evangelism. Letter F, the gift of faith. The gift of faith is is to, the gift to trust and discern with extraordinary confidence the will and purposes of God for his work, trusting him to handle any and all obstacles along the way. People with the gift of faith, they welcome risk for God. They're, they're energized uh, by, by some of the variables and, and some of the things that would maybe cause discouragement or apprehension for others. They're challenged by the ideas that other people seem as impossible. People with the gift of faith are great people to lead campaigns to to add on to a facility or to plant a new church or, or to lead major initiatives because they just have unique confidence given to them by the Holy Spirit that God is going to do this and he's going to do what he said he would do. And they're unwavered like many of us are by the opposition. Letter G, giving the gift of giving. Sometimes this is just referred to as simply as generosity is given to certain members to joyfully support and fund various kingdom initiatives by contributing the material resources, liberally and cheerfully above and beyond the tithes and offerings expected of all believers. Now, We spend some time maybe once a year doing a short series where we'll teach on giving because it's really important. Jesus says, if you want to know where your heart is, look at your checkbook, right? Look at the ways you're giving of your time, talent, treasure. But we're all to give. But some of you, some of you have the gift of giving. And you, God has given you certain skills and abilities to where you manage your money in such a wise way so that your heart is, is to do that, not to build your kingdom, but to build God's. And, and you're trying to make more money so that you can give more money. And, and there's stories of people with this gift who they reverse tithe. You know what that would be? Instead of giving 10%, they keep 10%. And they give 90% of what they get. And God just continues to pass funds through their hands because they don't have sticky fingers. They have the gift of giving. They love to give. Maybe you have that gift. And God would use you to give in a substantial way. And and he's given you the ability maybe as well. Letter H, helping or help. Sometimes this is called service. The gift of helping is the special ability God gives to certain members of the body to assist others in reaching goals and doing ministry that glorifies God and strengthens the body of Christ. If I was to guess a gift that maybe more people have than others, I would say this one would probably be towards the top of the list. People with the gifts of gift of helps, they love to serve behind the scenes. They they love to do stuff that other people they could care less if they get credit for it. They they love to see other people succeed in their ministry. They they love to see the the agenda and the purpose of the kingdom and of the church forwarded by they're just doing the small things that maybe no one else would do. A lot of times you have the gift of helps. Maybe you're the one who you're, you're, you don't have any problem with staying late after the meeting to just help make sure everything gets cleaned up. You don't have any problem coming early to make sure things are set up. That's just, you just, you love that stuff. And you could care less if anybody sees that you do it. Likely, you may have the gift of helps. Uh, You're often detail oriented. You you look for ways to assist others, seeking no recognition for yourself. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and some other examples there as well. Helps and service. Sometimes that's to an individual, sometimes that's to the the overarching cause and ministry of the church. I, hospitality. The gift of hospitality is the special ability God gives to certain members to provide an open house and a warm welcome to those in need of food and lodging. It might also include the unique ability and desire to provide others with a warm and welcoming environment for fellowship. If you have the gift of hospitality, you you love to open your home up, even to strangers at times. Oh, they need a place to stay? Yeah, we got a place they can stay. Come on over. Tim and Robin, you remind me. I would be shocked if if one of the two of you didn't have the gift of hospitality. Both do, yeah. And and others of you as well. Uh, Sometimes it's opening your home for your small group. Sometimes... Anyway, you can read about that in Romans chapter 12, 1 Peter 4, and other places there. J, knowledge, the gift of knowledge. The gift of knowledge is the special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to discover, accumulate, analyze, clarify information and ideas which are pertinent to the strengthening and well-being of the body. People with this gift, they, they love to devote time to study and reading scripture. They love to share biblical insight. They really love to help other people increase their knowledge of scripture and help them download some of the things that they've learned. They, they benefit from time studying and researching. They take delight the in answering difficult questions. Thank God for people with the gift of knowledge. Oftentimes these are these are great defenders of the faith in the public arena. Pastor Stephen, I think you probably have. I'd be shocked if you didn't have the gift of knowledge. You, you can be talking to Stephen and he reads something and five months later he's spitting off what he read five months ago. It's that's super, That's, that's God gifted him with that, I believe. Others of you have that as well. K, leadership. Leadership is the special ability God gives to certain members to serve by casting vision, setting goals in accordance with God's purpose in the future to communicate these goals to others in such a way that they voluntarily and harmoniously work together to accomplish those goals for the glory of God. Now, if you think you have the gift of leadership and no one's following you, you're, I think John Maxwell says you're just out for a walk, <laughs> right? Essential, if you have the gift of leadership, people are, are going to follow you. They're going to they're follow your lead. They exhibit a tendency towards huge visions and the ability to inspire others to work toward accomplishing those visions. And some again, this is different degrees to which people have this gift. Uh, they're naturally drawn into leadership roles. They find it easy to motivate people. Uh, they naturally grasp the big picture. They're able to let go of responsibility and delegate it to others who are qualified. Uh, L, mercy. The gift of mercy, God gives to certain members of the body to feel genuine empathy and compassion for individuals who suffer physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. Their actions are characterized by love, care, compassion, and kindness toward others, which reflects Christ's love and helps alleviate their suffering. People with the gift of mercy, they demonstrate God's long-suffering kindness in in, in unique and powerful ways. They have the ability just to to come alongside. With somebody with the the gift of encouragement, sometimes these are married together in a lot of ways, I think. But encouragement can lift somebody up, kind of, hey, keep going, press on. The gift of mercy just comes and sits with them there and says, yeah, this is hard. I love you. It's going to be okay. And I'll stay here with you as long as you need. The gift of mercy is is different than encouragement in that way. It's patient. They're drawn toward opportunities to practically meet the needs of others. They devote significant time a lot of times in prayer for the needs of others. People with the gift of mercy are usually shelling out the most prayer requests. Oh, I know this people, This person's suffering, this family needs this, that person needs this. A lot of times, you know, to identify somebody with the gift of mercy, pay attention, who's sharing the most prayer requests in your 110 group? Not always, but that might be an indicator. Romans chapter 12 is where that's at, and other says as well. M, pastoring or shepherding. We're not talking about the office of pastor, we're talking about the gift of pastor or of shepherding you don't have to be a pastor to have this gift. And in fact, I I believe there are many pastors who who don't have this gift and they account for that by bringing others alongside them that do. I'll be honest with you, if if I have this gift, I have it in a very small degree. I really do. It's it's something I have to do, right? It's part of my responsibility as a pastor and as a Christian, but in terms of my gifting to just supernaturally do this, I, I struggle with it. The gift of pastoring is this pastoring or shepherding, oftentimes it's called, is a special ability that God gives to certain members to assume long-term personal responsibility for a group of believers, equipping them to live Christ-centered lives. They're driven to help others reach their full potential in Christ. They enjoy serving others and look for opportunities to do this. They're good at at developing personal relationships with a small number of people. They have a propensity towards meeting the needs of others, willingly giving your time to help them with spiritual issues. They believe that people take precedence over projects. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about this gift in this office as well. Um, I I think a lot of times people with the gift of pastoring or shepherding will often have that married with the gift of, of mercy or with encouragement. And there's something uh, about that. Those gifts just seem to often show up together in places. The, uh, letter N, the gift of teaching. The gift of teaching is the special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to communicate sound biblical doctrine in relevant and easily understandable ways, empowering people to gain a sound and mature spiritual education. Uh, people with this gift, they're given to hours in the study of Scripture so that they could best apply its principles and truth they enjoy making the Bible clear and understandable to others. Uh, they're good at helping others learn to study the Bible. Uh, they recognize varieties of a variety of ways to communicate God's truth uh, in, in the same truth in, in multiple ways. Letter O, the gift of wisdom. The gift of wisdom is a special ability that God gives to certain members of the body to make wise decisions and give sound advice and counsel to others in accordance with God's word and his will. You, you might possess the gift of wisdom if you just enjoy speaking biblical insights into life situations. Maybe you're sought after by others for advice or wisdom. You, you enjoy counseling others. You're known for making the right decision, the wise decision, consistently, way more often than not. letter P, prophecy. The gift of prophecy. Here we're not talking about the Old Testament prophet. We're not talking about foretelling. There is some who have lumped the gift of prophecy in with you know, these non-normative gifts. And they see it as, um, you know, they, they see the future and they tell it. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know that that's, I think God can do that. I don't think that's a, a gift maybe to aspire to. I don't know if I want it anyway, because the moment I'm wrong, guess what that means? Then, like the Old Testament prophets, y'all get to throw rocks at me. Yeah, no thanks. But the gift of prophecy—I don't—not foretelling, but forthtelling, proclaiming the proclamation of God's word of God's truth. Sometimes this will be referred to uh, as the gift of preaching. It's a special ability that God gives to certain members of the body to proclaim messages of biblical truth from God. It's specifically from his word that comfort, encourage, guide, warn, reveal sin in a way that that leads to repentance and spiritual growth. The original Greek meaning of this word is to speak forth or to shine forth the truth. Again, these gifts, they exalt Jesus. If somebody gives a prophecy and it's not anything in line with scripture, it isn't prophecy. It's not the gift of prophecy. It's a counterfeit, Right? The proclamation of God's truth. They're known for publicly communicating God's word in a variety of means. They they love to share strong biblical convictions with others. They view themselves as God's tool, ready to be used by the Holy Spirit in changing lives. They find it uh, easy to confront others' motives when they're not up to God's standards. And then after that, we get to some of the non-normative gifts: the gift of miracles, the gift of healing, the gift of tongues and interpretation and i 'll be honest with you again i don 't think they 've ceased. I have a hard time saying that they 're as in effect as some Pentecostal or charismatic churches would would teach i just don 't see that, and do I totally understand it i don 't i 'm learning i 'm trying to figure it out by god 's grace. Um, so, so as a result, I don't want to focus on these, but I want you to be aware of them. And I, I, I believe, from my study, that, that these sign gifts aren't necessarily gifts that um, that we possess or that someone possesses, like the gift of teaching or the gift of of knowledge or the gift of of helps or of mercy. But I, I, again, this is don't take this as don't take this to the bank. I'm not going to die for this. This is just my opinion today. It might be different in another year after I study more, right? But, but I look at those gifts and I go, I, I think really they're not necessarily permanent gifts like the rest of the gifts, but they're situational in a certain sense. They're, they're given to authenticate the gospel. See, the purpose of spiritual gifts in, 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 the, in the text, in the New Testament, within the church, they're to build up the church. Outside of the church, they're to authenticate the gospel. And so, by the way, I think that means if you have the gift of, of teaching or you have the gift of administration, you might go be an administrator somewhere in the community or whatever, using that spiritual gift as God's church scattered. And what you're doing when you're serving people outside of the church is you're authenticating the gospel in your life. You're authenticating the, the, authenticating the claims of Jesus in you by, by living as a missionary before them. And then when you come and serve the church with that gift, you're building up the church. Well, these sign gifts, I believe, in the same way, they, they built up the church and and they were signs to those outside of the church who haven't trusted Jesus that authenticated the gospel. So, so miracles that authenticated who Jesus was, um, uh, gifts of healing that authenticated the message of the gospel. Not that somebody just had the gift and they could go, "You're healed, you're healed, you're healed, you're healed," and knock them over on stage like you see on YouTube, right? Yeah. Uh. Uh. Uh-uh. I think it's situational, and ultimately it's not in the power. These gifts don't reside in a person where, where I have the decision whether or not to employ this gift, but they're all up to God's discernment whether or not I'm going to allow you to have a gift of healing to, to through your prayer heal someone or to through uh, your witness perform a miracle. It's, it's not you. It's God choosing at his own time sovereignly when to put that gift into practice. Or to speak in tongues. The gift of tongues was, was known languages where all the people were in Jerusalem and, and, and they were there and they spoke different languages and to authenticate the gospel and what was happening, these guys who had never spoken in, in, in Persian or in Italian or in Spanish or whatever all the other languages there were of that day in Jerusalem, all of a sudden, they've never studied them before. They didn't know them. They're speaking them. Como estas? That's, that's as much tongues as I can do. Right? Right? But but they could they, they could they just God for that moment in that time gave them that gift to perform it to authenticate the gospel. I believe that's how these sign gifts work. I don't think they're things that we hold and that we can just use at our own will. Again, we can differ on that in opinion. That's that's where I'm at now. I might change my mind as I study God's word and grow more. But so take it for what it's worth. So because of that. We're not going to teach into them very much. They're not going to be on the assessment that you take. Um, God may use you to heal someone. God may use you to perform a miracle. God may send you in, in miraculous ways to suddenly speak the gospel in another language to someone that they would understand it. I'm not going to put God in a box and say you can't do that. I'm just going to say that's not normative. And that's not a gift necessarily, I believe, that you possess as much as it is something that God gives you situationally. So with that, we've covered uh, the primary gifts. There's the potential that there's more gifts that that aren't necessarily listed in scripture, but these are the ones that are, so these are the ones we're gonna focus on. And here's your assignment now. If you're a part of our church, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, over this next week, later this afternoon, I'm not sure what time it's set to go up, uh, sometime this afternoon or this evening, if you go to wawaseebible.com backslash shape, wawaseebible.com backslash shape, there's going to be an online assessment that you can take uh, that would go through these, I think, 15 or 16 gifts that we laid out. And it would help you evaluate whether or not you have those gifts. Now, when you do that, by the way, if you don't have internet access and you're like, I'm not getting on the computer to do that. We'll have copies for you at the Connect desk when you leave. Blue ones. But if you can get on the internet and do it, save these for the people who can't. Okay, So, when you do this, a couple things to keep in mind. Number one, it's a tool to help you. This isn't God's word. This isn't authoritative. If you take this and you come to me next week, I got the gift of teaching. I want to teach. Okay. Okay. You might. No, this says so. Well, yeah, but I don't know. You might've answered it because you wanted to have the gift of teaching. That's the way you answer the questions. How about you get involved in ministry and The key is, this is to help you identify them. Then you need to go. You'll notice you didn't get 110 homework this week. Go to your small group with that survey, with your assessment and say, hey, here's what it spit out. Was I answering these honestly? What do you guys think? Because we grow in that, one, by prayer, two, by the counsel of others. And then the third piece, you need to just start testing them out and serving and figure out whether or not you really have that gift. If you really wanna know if you have it, Start using it. You really want to know if you're gifted to teach? Find a place. Go talk to Pastor Dan. Start with the kids. They don't don't discriminate. Start teaching. Right? Figure out if you have that gift. Do you have the gift of helps? Figure out ways you can just start serving behind the scenes. See if it brings you great joy. So do the assessment. Pray. Talk about it with your small group. Start serving. Sound good? Now, uh, you have a lot there. We, we covered a lot. If you're with us this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you've never trusted him with your life. You've never repented of your sin and become a Christian. Um, you, you don't have a spiritual gift, but God would delight to give you a gift, if not gifts. If you'd repent of your sin, turn to him in saving faith and become a Christian. And the Holy Spirit would, would give you these gifts. It's a matter of recognizing my sin, recognizing I have no hope apart from Jesus and turning to him in faith to save me and redeem me and make me new. And you can do that today where you're sitting, simply by trusting him and praying to him in your heart. With that, we're going to take communion. We're going to take our offering. We're going to sing and uh, call it a morning. So let me pray. And uh, as we sing, the ushers will be handing out communion. And then after that, they'll take our offering and uh, we'll close together. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for Jesus. And thank you for uh, the gifts that you give us because of our faith in him and because of the Holy Spirit that you sent to us as he left. Um, Father, I pray for our church. Help us, uh, for those of us who trusted you, to to know who we are, to know our gifts. And uh, not just to know them and to be enthralled with the gifts, but to be enthralled with the giver and to put those gifts into practice. I pray for each of our small groups this week and next week that you'd give um, discernment and wisdom and grace to us as we, we try to figure these things out, that we'd be able to speak truth and encouragement to one another, uh, learning what our gifts are. I pray then, too, that over the coming weeks and months, as we start to, to pair our, our unique gifting with our passions and our abilities and our personality and our experiences, that... Um, that Holy Spirit, you would, you would do a powerful work in and through our church as we um, embrace who you've made us to be and uh, live out your kingdom purposes in our lives and in our homes and in our community. So, uh, Father, I ask that. You say a lot of times we don't receive those things because we don't ask, and so I'm asking that, that you would help us to understand those things and that you would do uh, an incredible work here in Wawasee through our church.